Hi, everyone, and welcome to, I think it's our eighth, eighth, uh, which is, and hopefully the final of uh, our sessions of, of our little shura, mini shura here, these, these episodes, working through the introduction of the Guide to the Perplexed, the Mona Vuchen. So it's the fourth introduction, now he's going to talk about contradictions. And this is, in a way, the part that, that's going to make learning the Mona, learning the Guide, potentially the most difficult and potentially the key to understanding it all. He says like this, that why are there contradictions in any book? Ayanagoidim, right, or, or um, statements, or, or statements that, that lead to opposite conclusions that can be found in Echad Aswarim in any book, or one of the larger compilations. There are seven possible reasons why this might be. They're not all, he's going to say in the, in the guides, it's not going to be all seven, right? Hasibur is showing you the first possibility is he, the, the book quotes lots of different people. Who think differently. Perhaps he deleted the specific authors and just kept the list of quotes. Didn't announce this one is this one's opinion, this one's that one's opinion. Right, same principle. In other words, they are different opinions. So people who think differently have all been assembled into single work. Second possibility is while writing the work, the same author thought differently. Perhaps they were working over many years and at the beginning they were thinking one way and by the time they came to the end, they thought differently. And so now if you look carefully, you'll notice differences in the way they're writing. Especially remember in those days, you didn't just typeset and go back and re-delete. Um, you were writing on paper for years and then assembling the whole thing afterwards, potentially. Okay. But this could happen in, in any work that's been written over a period of time. The third, or even written in a short period of time, if a person's thinking about the idea again and again, is slightly changing their mind, but it's not important enough to reword. But if now, if you look very, very carefully, the words listen very carefully and analyze them, you pick up differences. Third possibility it could be that not everything is as it has taken on a simple level. Some of them are meant on a simple level, and some of them are analogies and metaphors and have a deeper level to them. Or perhaps there are two analogies and stories, metaphors being brought, but both of them, the message is not the analogy, which might contradict itself. And if you understand them on a superficial level, they will seem like contradictions, but actually the point that's being made is not a contradiction. The fourth possibility is, um, there's a reason why a certain point can't be fully developed yet at this stage in the writing. So for example, you know, you might be writing, um, I don't know, Let's say, let's say a book of you're teaching a child about chemistry and you say electrons or physics electrons are like little balls that orbit a nucleus. You can't yet explain to us not quite what it is. So you use that in that phase and later on you develop the idea and then you can be more precise. And now there's a contradiction, but the, at this stage you weren't yet able to develop the idea, right? And for whatever reason, you're not yet able to give the full picture here. So you use a picture here that you're going to make more precise later on. You think, ah, they contradict each other. No, they don't. This is just... You've got to understand that the writer was assuming you read it in order and develop ideas as you go through. See what Hamish is the fifth one is that right? There's a there's a pedagogical issue. 
an issue of teaching and making things understood. Something that's very, very difficult to grasp and understand. And you need to bring it early um, in now to help make something else clarified. So you're using a principle now that's not been fully developed and explained. To explain something else, the Vishma Sinitan Bakalyasa is usually trying to start with easier material. There's actually more like the analogy I said before with the electron here, probably is this one here. And they're both cases where you're not where you've both the fourth one and fifth one are both situations where you're developing ideas all the way through. Um, in the fourth case, you just haven't yet explained the concept. In the fifth case, you might actually have to bring a concept too early and therefore not explain it. Ultimately, the fourth and fifth have a certain similar property, namely that the contradiction comes because for whatever reason, you didn't explain the thing that needed explaining right now because you couldn't because you're busy explaining it. There's only so many things you can explain at once. And that produces, and the, and the not well-explained concept in right now will sound like a contradiction to how it's explained better later, or to other things that will appear. You start with lighter material. Right, you need to get through. Start with lighter levels of, of, of understanding and depth, and you go deeper as you go through. So just give enough now of what you need right now. Later you go deeper into it. Okay, so so far we've had five reasons, right? Again, just to, to quickly hazard them over. The first one is you collected ideas from different people. Second one is the author themselves changed their mind. Third one is that you're taking things literally um, where the meaning isn't the literal. The meaning is the, the metaphor or something like that. The fourth one is that sometimes you're introducing ideas without fully explaining. And the fifth one is sometimes you have no choice but to do that because you need to bring in an idea now, but it can't be fully explained now. You just need enough to get the person to need where, to where they need to get to. And later on, they'll have more concepts and be able to understand it properly. So the fourth and fifth are similar. Sibashish is the sixth explanation. His Oymakastira is, uh, is there's a hidden contradiction. It's not obvious that this actually leads to a contradiction. Something that needs to be teased out with a lot of logic and a lot of premises. And many steps, and that's going to be more and more concealed. It's possible the author themselves didn't notice this idea when you couple it with another set of principles leads you down to this conclusion. And this idea over here, coupled with other premises, leads you to another conclusion. And they don't realize that ultimately it's going to be a contradiction. When you put properly, give them all these pieces of information, like, yes, I agree with that. Yes, I agree. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. And now I can see that couple that all together with the first thing I wrote, it will lead you in this direction. And take the same and other principles which I also agree with and take it. The second idea will now lead to another. And they weren't aware of it when they wrote it. And then it suddenly produced this difficult point. And this is Things like this actually happen, and sometimes even great chachomim can uh, make a mistake over here. 
אבל אם wise people as well, learned people, אבל אם תהיינה סטירס גלויוס בשני הדברים הראשונים, if they were obvious and revealed, כפי שתמצא עם תלמיד, אומרים קושר, קשר, רשע, סייפה. 
or sometimes it is inconsistent, but you have to know the source material. Right, all the way through the Gemara, you got things like this, analyzing the mission or the Bryce that is a harbor It's too much to count. Um, now, when you find contradictions in Sugis in the Gemara, the Rambam says, that's not necessarily the same thing. You do find that, but you also have the second one, which is that, uh, that, that remember, the Gemara has been written over a 60-year period. So it's possible that in, in, a same, in a sugya, it actually was really being written over more than a century because it really began to be written in the fourth generation out of the sixth of the Amorim. And therefore, you can have things that were once held off and later on rejected, right? And therefore, you can end up with Gemaras even that seem to contradict one another. So, so you'll say, sorry. Um, yeah. So you'll find like the first instance where they held like so-and-so rabbi and then so-and-so rabbi, just like in the Mishnah. They agrees with him in one and argues with him in the other. Sometimes you have two opinions according to Rabbi X, two different interpretations of him. All that type of sugar, anyway, you see that in the Gemara, that's the first category. But you also find the second category. This particular Rav changed their mind. You have that explicit in the Talmud in certain words. Rava rejected his early thinking. And then you have to work out which was the later one. In the early edition of teaching, Rav Ashi said this. And later I'll say this. So most of the contradictions in the Mishnah and Gemara are like this. Now what about contradictions that appear in the prophecies? That's the third and the fourth. Right, third one, remember, is that things are being given metaphorically as analogies, and therefore they cannot. You'll make a mistake. You think the prophet's saying this, but that's not. He's it's a it's a code word for a deeper idea that doesn't contradict the other idea. Or the fourth one, sometimes he's teaching a principle now that needs to be fully elaborated upon later on. Um, and 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 really, that was the goal of all of this. Right, remember, all my general set of introductions was actually to teach you what to do with the prophets. You remember the Rav Amram of the Ga'inim, of, of the great teachers before the rabbis, of the, after the rabbis of the Gemara, says like this. By that, you were in a camera of Amram, Amram, how much they said, Zal, the rabbis said, that one verse says one thing, one says another, and then they work out what's the contradiction. One is missing a condition. Or they're dealing with a different circumstance. Who are in Amram, Shlaima, let's say, King Solomon says, King Solomon, you're contradicting your father. And you're contradicting yourself. And yet, we come up with an answer to that. Right? He's talking about in Kohelis, in Ecclesiastes, the Gemara Shabbos, where they believe there are contradictions in the same book, and then they realize they're not. There's a harbor, many, many things like this, because when you get to the depth of the statement, the statement is not what it sounds like it's meant to be. So in the prophetic works, that's generally the rule. If you think there's a contradiction, you misunderstood what's going on. There's a harbor, 
Nevoyim. Generally, you do find that also in the rabbinic writings, but much more in the prophetic text, the Kushan Bedino Abu Musa, whether it's to do with laws or whether it's to do with ethical teachings. We are only interested in things where you will find contradictions on the simple reading of them. Some of these will clarify. Because this matter also is or leads to the secrets of Torah. Oh, they're the seventh type in the, in the prophets. The seventh type, remember, where something is being deliberately concealed because the masses shouldn't detect the contradiction. That, he says, we shouldn't jump the gun and auto make an automatic assumption on. One needs to think about. And when the Rambam says that, he's probably alluding to something over here. Now, when you've got contradictions in, in true philosophical works, he has other works he considers not very true. Uh, if we go through the guide thoroughly, you'll see which ones he puts in which category. They are jamming in the fifth category, right? What was the fifth category? That they're teaching information, so they've got to give you the incomplete scientific information now and then give you more complete later on. Most people who write books, so he's obviously not talking about the great rabbinic works, certainly not of Shas and so on, not talking about the prophets, the Nevi'im, not even talking about the philosophers. But general, very common to find contradictions. Now, this includes, he allows Midrashim. You can find multiple reasons why you might have contradictions in the Midrashim, including the seventh reason, hiding the real depth of, of, of this Midrash. Right? But in other words, Midrashim, um, you can find many, many types of contradictions in um, where, where, yeah, some it's because they're metaphors and you got to understand the deeper reason. Some it is because they are sometimes hiding uh, deeper lessons of Torah where the masses shouldn't really have access to it right now, um, and so on. If you find mistakes in this work, you should know that they are, um, sorry, that, that last thing was also the, also the sixth one, where it can be that certain things are not obvious contradictions too, and, uh, and uh, they can also, not obvious, until you tease them out fully and, and compare and so on. So fine, lots of books have those in. Potentially he's even saying Midrashim, how that is, we're not going to go into now. But in this book, you will only find contradictions of the fifth type and the seventh type. Fifth type again means, I got to throw, assume a principle now in this chapter, which later I'm going to change. But right now, you, I can't work, I can't give you too much. You're not ready to hear the deeper idea yet, right? So I'm giving it to you on the simpler plane, right? Um, and later on, it was look like contradictions earlier, and you realize it was just a stepping stone. He had to climb on this sort of basic idea, and then as he got more sophisticated, you could introduce a more sophisticated idea, which will outweigh the earlier idea. Or the seventh, that I'm telling you something which, if I made it too clear, um, the masses would get very, would, would be led in terrible directions, and therefore I've got to hide the contradiction, and when and I got to assume a contradictory premise here and here in order to take you on the journey. When you look into it carefully, you'll see there's contradictions, and I've hidden those contradictions. I haven't made them explicit, but actually it's because I need to take you on both journeys. That's essentially what he's saying over there. Now, that's what you'll find in this book, which of course opens up to what are these contradictions, right? And this again gives permission for people to start to find all sorts of things in the guide. I didn't say it, that's the hidden contradiction, right? This is, this is uh, one that you've got to keep a lookout for. And hopefully if we study it together, I'll show you what I think um, 
is the main set of contradictions there. After all these achal babas hashemus, now I'm going to start bringing the babas Now I'm going to start actually finally going through these words that I promised you. I'm going to clarify and explain. But we now know he's not just doing it to give you a dictionary. He's doing it to take you all the way on the journey, and he's building pictures that are going to help us understand. We now know that he's going to clarify lots and lots of words like salam and akim and all these image of God and feet. What does it mean when we talk about tachas raglav under the feet of God? Does that literally mean that? And all these other things. What does it mean to see Hashem? What does it mean Hashem sees? What do all these things mean? But we now know that he's going to also take us on diversions, which is to build the picture. We know this is in place in the book of prophecy. And we know the goal of this ultimately is to teach us the secrets of Torah. We know it's to help the person who's developed their, their understanding of the natural sciences to the point where they got these contradictions, but ultimately is to take that person on the journey all the way through my sabratius, the level of the understanding creation in the physical sense, understanding its deeper level of causal reality, understanding what's behind that, understanding what's the Maisa Merkava, the works of the chariot and, and all that vision, all the way climbing the ladder um, upwards, right? That's what all this is there for. Uh, and this should be a key. These traps should be keys to unlocking these gates. When you open these gates and walk through the where the souls will achieve rest, we sang right? That uh, will be a delight, and it will be a, be a pleasure. We saw we are gufos, and the ma'amolam that we all reach that kind of place of rest, um, of our destiny, of where we wanted to get to. So this is really the key, in many ways. Um, to give us the delight of the eyes, to give us the rest of what we're, to give us the goal of what we're looking for in life. And the goal of what we're looking for in life, according to Rambam, in many places, is Yidiyas Hashem, is the deepest connection we can have with Hashem. And the deepest connection comes, according to Rambam, by taking our seichel, taking our mind, our grasp, and going on that journey. And that is where we're going to go. Um, that is, that is, so now I've had this, this, just these amazing chapters learning together. The introductions hopefully have given us an appetite to learn more. But even if they haven't given us appetite to learn more, hopefully they've at least opened our eyes to so many dimensions and aspects of the way the Rambam looked at Torah, looked at his role in revealing the Torah, and the level of depth and profundity that can exist in his Sefer that is the only way to give us the lightning on the dark journey, the journey out of the physicality of the analogy of Mishle, of, of the analogy of the seductress, into climbing the ladder of Yaakov, the Jacob's ladder, climbing all the way up. These beautiful things. It's been a pleasure learning so far. Hopefully we'll see you on, on future, future Shira and future episodes.